Let me invite you now to, to grab a Bible. Hope you brought one. Um, we can sell you one. Uh, uh, but we're going to go back to the book of Jonah. We're in a study of the book of Jonah, and we're in chapter 3, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, all 10 verses of it. But I'm going to start one earlier, that is two chap- chapter 2, verse 10, just to get us a running start. So here we go. Chapter 2, verse 10 reads like this, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let, men, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our god this word this endures forever this is a spicy little chapter chapter three of the book of jonah it's it's um contains several little flavors subjects topics all of which I think deserve our attention. For instance, um, verse 10, that God relented. I bet you that caught your eye, that God relented. We'll come back in about three weeks and we'll we'll discuss it. Or or how about this, um, this, the the beauty and the, uh, uh, the, the, the nature of the repentance offered by Nineveh? What about that? That's something that we need to take a look at. Or even the role that proclamation or preaching or the word of god plays in evangelism that too is in this chapter we're going to look at that uh, in a couple of weeks as well but the the favorite my, my favorite statement which is somewhat biographical um i'd have to tell you the whole story and we don't have time my favorite statement some of my favorite words in, to be found in the Bible are in verse 1 of chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. You know, how much time has elapsed from um, 
Uh, chapter 10, verse, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 10 to chapter 3, verse 1, we're not told how much, how long the period is between when he got spit on the dry land and, and um, this opening statement of chapter 3. Um, but we do know this. We know that um, once Jonah got spit up onto dry land by the nauseated fish, Jonah made him sick, um, he had a long walk in front of him from the coast to Nineveh. Long walk. And I, and I draw that to your attention because I, I, I think this, um, this is a true observation that between the time he got spit up till the time he preached his first sermon in Nineveh, there were several days, maybe, maybe a couple of weeks, plenty of time for Jonah to think through some of the, some of the things that had just gone on in his life, to, to maybe um, solidify some of the lessons that he learned from the inside of a whale belly, Jonah had plenty of time to sort some things out uh, after going through what he had just gone through. Guys, one of the things that I don't want you to forget, this is a book that does not always present Jonah in the best possible light. There are some things that we're going to discover even in chapter 4 that are not particularly flattering about Jonah. But do you know who told us that? It's Jonah. Jonah's the one that's telling this whole ugly saga about himself. You know, I think that's what we call being transparent. That's something that the 21st, 21st century evangelical church is not very good at. We, um, we, we would rather um, keep secrets. We would rather pretend that, um, that all is well. We're much better at pretense than we are at uh, Transparency. Now, put that aside for a minute because the, the thing that I really want to, to fix your attention on is basically only three words. Those three words in verse 1, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Some of my favorite in the Bible. The Lord spoke to him the second time. You know, there, there are common theories out there that suggest that what, that what that is teaching is that God was determined to save Nineveh. And, and I'm sure that's true. God is determined to save Nineveh, and, and so he goes back and gets Jonah and makes him do what he told him to do in the first place. But there's something else that that, that, that statement means, ladies and gentlemen. And it is this. That the God who is uh, the, the, the hero of every story in this book, this God is willing to use people in his kingdom construction, in his kingdom expansion, he is willing to use people who have blown it and blown it badly. 
Think about all this, ladies and gentlemen, that we saw in chapter 1. How Jonah thumbed his nose at this God and said, oh yeah, I know you want me to go there, but I'm not going there. Would you have given him a second chance? Maybe you would. But you see, um, I'm way beyond second chances. I, I, I've, I'm, a, I'm somewhere up in the 10 to 12 million category. This is a God who will always have his way, but this is also a God who is willing not only to forgive, not only to simply restore, but he is willing to use in his service People who have a big old ugly skeleton in their closets. You know, Moses was a murderer, didn't you? David was too. And so was Paul. But boy, did he ever use those three men. Um, now, um, I, I wish I could take the time to tell you when this text really bit into my soul. It was years ago, and it was moving. And, and because it was, I, I'd like for us just to, um, just to tease it out just a little bit. Um, kind of, as Chris Luke said in the video, to, to meditate on, on the fact that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Three quick little facets about it. First of all, think about this, guys. If God uses people at all, and he does, um, the only people that he has at his disposal are people with skeletons in their closets. We, we all have at least that much in common. Things that we are holding on to that we don't want other people in this room to know about. You know, I, I, I snicker at times. People come to me and they say, um, Dr. Young, will you, will you pray about this? And then they add something like this. They say, um, because we know that your prayers get through on the basis of what do my prayers get through ladies and gentlemen i'm just as broken as the next guy um i, I don't have some kind of hotline to heaven because i'm a professional clergyman we're all broken folks and so whatever it is that you don't want anybody else in this room to know, go right ahead. Keep it in there. But you at least have got to know this much, that whatever is in that closet, it didn't disqualify you. It hasn't disqualified you. The only people that God has at his disposal to use for any purpose is, are people who are as broken as we are, inconsistent, 
having been even defiant like Jonah? You know, one of the things that, you know, you're going to see some stuff in chapter 4 when we get there about Jonah that, <laughs> that it is almost uglier than the chapter 1. But one of the admirable things that you see about him is that Jonah is, is the one telling you about all of his failures. Would you like to go to Jonah after you know what you know about Jonah and ask him to pray because his prayers get through? Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, maybe if you knew, maybe if I were to write a book about my life, Maybe you would never come to me again and say, would you pray? Because your prayers get through. Guys, um, I think at least one, one I, I think clear implication about this statement um, is that the reason that we pretend and we're so good at it, is because we think that the only people that God uses are the ones who are morally excellent. Folks, there are no morally excellent. You remember, I, I, I use this quote over and over again. You know, Augustine used to say that our, that our greatest virtues are nothing that more than splendid sins. Our greatest virtues. Our, our best moments. Our splendid sins. Guys, there's, there's, no, there's no morally excellent and there's no perfect family the only people God has at his disposal to use in kingdom construction are people who have blown it and blown it badly. You know, um, we want to think that the reason that God uses us is because we're so good or we're so gifted or we're so spiritual. Folks, um, could I quote to you from the book of Romans, who, uh, the Apostle Paul who said, there, are, there, are, there is none good, no, not one. So I've either got to go with Paul or with you, and, I, and I'm going to put my money on Paul. There's none good. No, not one. You know, folks, um, one of the privileges is of my job and I want you to know what a privilege I consider it to be, is that you feel safe in coming and telling me about some of the things that you don't want anybody else to know. And I, I hope you know they're, they're safe and sound in that vault. But you sit and you look and you say, now I want our family to be like that because that is the perfect family. 
Nope. That doesn't exist, folks. The only people that God uh, has at his disposal to use are people like Jonah. And, and they're a whole lot less willing to tell us their secrets than Jonah is. That's who we are. Now, here's the second thing that I, I want you to see. And I, having said what I just said, i got to quickly add this. Because I don't want you to ever get the impression, I don't want you to ever hear me teaching um, that, that Jonah's defiance had absolutely no consequences attached to it. Folks, Jonah arrived in Nineveh with scars that he did not have in Joppa. The, the commentaries make a big deal about um, uh, sitting for three days in stomach acids and how his skin was probably bleached. This olive uh, complexion of the Mid Middle Easterner was now bleached white. I don't know whether that's true, but I can tell you this, folks. Jonah takes to Nineveh scars that he didn't have when he left Joppa. And you know where he got them? He got them inside a whale belly. Defiance always has consequences. God is not mocked. But one of the consequences of Jonah's defiance is that he wasn't discarded. Ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty good news. I had a man come to me one Wednesday night, and maybe I've told you this before, but I mean, he was, he was a whipped puppy. And he and his wife had been out one night, and um, they uh, owned a convertible. And they'd gone down to the Peabody and, and uh, you know, had supper or something. And they'd had, um, um, well, let me just put it like this. He was pulled over and given a DUI. Really bad. That's not a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm not trying to promote that in the slightest. It probably cost him, he later told me, some $12,000 to deal with the, the consequences of his foolishness. But I told him, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. There are consequences, folks, but one of those consequences is not that you're discarded. I'm sorry he did what he did. I'm sorry Jonah did what he did. I'm sorry I've done what I've done. And we're all sorry that we did what we did. But folks, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I get another chance. Why? It's not because I'm so special. In fact, Jonah getting a second chance is not because of anything Jonah is. It's because of something that God is. <clears throat> I don't hold on to him. He holds on to me. You know, guys, um, um, the men's ministry is uh, trying to encourage you to pray through the Psalms. And I love the Psalms because it's real people dealing with real life. One of the Psalms is 
Psalm 136. Psalm 136 consists of 26 verses. 26 verses in Psalm 136, okay? In that psalm, the word hesed, a word that I've tried to make much about around here. We've talked about it on Wednesday nights. I've talked about it on Sunday mornings. It's a Hebrew word, hesed. It's guttural. It's a, it would be spelled something like H-E-S-E-D or C-H-E-S-E-D. A chesed. It's a word in Hebrew that is translated not love. It's translated steadfast love, loyal love. Now, that word, chesed, is found in Psalm 136, 26 times. One psalm, 26 verses, chesed, 26 times. I want to read you just a little bit of the psalm, and, and you'll get the, the, the idea about, behind the psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. There it is, chesed. Uh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Do you get it? 26 verses, the, 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 there's an A part of the verse, there's a statement made, and then there's the refrain, the chorus. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Has said 26 times. It is said by most commentarians that this, this psalm, Psalm 136, was used in worship antiphonally. It's a hymn. You sing it. And so the priest would stand in front of the, the congregation and he would say, um, uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And, the, and this giant Levitical choir, or, or maybe even the whole congregation, would respond to the priest by singing back to him, for his steadfast love endures forever. Um, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then this giant choir would respond, for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. I might not have the tune right, but that, that, that's, that's basically what was going on in a worship service. As they sang this hymn antiphonally. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what the people of God are celebrating in Psalm 136? The people of God are celebrating that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The people of God are celebrating that after all of Jimmy Young's lies and his pride and his envies and all of his disobediences and all of his rebellions, that the Lord didn't wring his hands and said, I've had it with him. That's enough. I'm not dealing with him anymore. Be gone. No, no. Though I am Jonah, and even worse, the word of Yahweh has come to Jonah a second time. The steadfast love of the Lord. Did you get this? Endures. He endures me. I'm glad. Guys, 
That is grace. God's loyal, steadfast love. And it allows me to be honest with you. It allows me to tell you what I have done. Uh, it, 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 it discourages me from being a phony because of grace. I don't, I don't have to pretend. That's what you see in the life of Jonah. You know, guys, had God only forgiven Jonah and sent him back to Israel as a, as a citizen, nobody could have ever complained. That in itself would have been grace. But like Peter, Jonah is forgiven and recommissioned. Jonah is forgiven and reinstated to his office. And now, when he finally gets to Nineveh, he's better prepared because he's got some scars on him now that he didn't have when he left Joppa. He's learned some things about himself. He's learned some things about God that he didn't know when he left Joppa. But now he knows that the word of the Lord has come to Jonah a second time. When he gets to Nineveh now, he understands what David meant. In Psalm 119, when David says this, listen, before I was afflicted, you know, when I was in Joppa, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, now I keep your word. And then he adds, and, and this is, I love this, folks. He adds, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. It was good for me to be in a whale's belly. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn what I needed to learn about you and my sin. My brother and sister in Christ, have you gotten there yet? Have you gotten to the place where you can say, it was good that I was afflicted? I, I don't want to ever go through that again. But I wouldn't know who I w would be had it not been for that affliction. I made some bad choices. Everything unraveled. It was oh so painful. But now, it was good. It was good for me to be afflicted. And you know what? 
word of the Lord has come to me a second time. <laughs> let, me, let me give you this third fast. I've got to do it quickly. Um, in chapter 3, verse 1, if I understand it correctly, Jonah gets a taste of the grace that he didn't want to see lavished on the Ninevites. Guys, what if God had dealt with Jonah the way that Jonah had dealt with the Ninevites? Let me put it like this. What if God dealt with you the way you are prone to deal with other people who cross you. You know, folks, when I started this study on the book of Jonah, I don't six or eight weeks ago, whenever it was, um, I said to you then, I said to you, this book is not about Jonah, and it's certainly not about the big fish. It's not about that great fish, it's about that great God who obeys that or that, that gives instructions to that great fish. And, and guys, that great God is on display. He's on display in chapter 2, verse 9 that says, and salvation belongs to the Lord. Understand, ladies, do you know how utterly profound those five words are? Salvation belongs to the Lord. An Arminian can't say that. Salvation. And, and the Lord to whom salvation belongs is the God who comes to Jonah a second time. Can you see the application? at least one of the applications that we need to make out of this story or out of this verse? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of applications, but can you see at least one of them? Well, let me point it out for you. If this great God forgives and restores like this, then so must I. That grudge that you've been carrying around for years, you know that, that grudge that saps the life out of your marriage? let it go. To many of us to whom the, war, the word of the Lord has come a second time, if you have tasted that, 
then the only proper response is that we go pass some of that out. Our Father, would you um, enable your people to do that very thing? People who know that their standing before you is nothing that they've deserved, that they've earned, that they've worked for, that they've merited, but they have it because you are who you are. And we are people who have received that which we didn't deserve, an undeserved forgiveness. And so, Father, uh, might we be purveyors, distributors um, of the very thing that we've gotten. Enable us, O oh God, by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to give to others what you gave to us. Summarized in these wonderful words, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Boy, do we ever rejoice in those words. We love you, Lord. We're sorry we love you so little. Would you enable us by grace to love you more? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.